Well, I, I'm really excited about this time of year. I, I, I love the, the holiday seasons, and uh, Halloween's over, and uh, November 1st, I mean, we can decorate for Christmas now, or is it after Thanksgiving? I, I can't remember, but, but I love this time of year. It seems like it's, it's a time of joy, um, even more specifically this year. The election's going to be over pretty soon, and uh, I'm excited for that. I just feel like uh, it just, just changes the way we might think about each other. And um, uh, we just finished a series in Malachi. It was kind of a kind of a darker series, but it was this idea of of uh, loving other people. Uh, we went through loving people. We went through loving God. And it seems like this year we've just talked a lot about uh, relationships with others and how we can love other people. And I I don't know if you've been looking around, but there's a big need for that. Uh, we really do have to keep our eyes open to those around us. Next year, starting first week of January, we're going to be going into the New Testament. Uh, there's 260 weekdays, and there's 260 chapters in the New Testament, so we're going to present a Bible reading plan if you want to follow along with us. Just read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, and then this, the sermon for that, uh, that week on Sunday will, will come out of those five chapters. Not all five chapters, but some of, it, some of that. So, um, but anyway, we have a, an opportunity for another series before our Christmas series, and we're going to stay in the Old Testament because we're going to be moving to the New Testament and go into the book of Jeremiah. Uh, This series is called The The Person God Uses. Uh, So uh, again, everything that we just talked about, there is a huge opportunity. The holidays are great, but there are a lot of needs. Uh, There are a lot of uh, financial needs. There are physical needs. There are um, spiritual and emotional needs. There are relational needs, especially in this time. And so I hope this series will help to inspire us to walk along people and love them and live life with them. So Jeremiah uh, is actually the longest book in the Bible. A lot of people think it's the Psalms. There are more words in Jeremiah, about 33,000, between two and 3,000 more than in the Psalms. So it's a long book, so this is going to be a a long sermon today. No, I'm just kidding. We're we're just going to be in chapter 1 today. And we're not going to go through the entire book word for word, uh, but we are going to try to cover some of the big ideas. Uh, just to paraphrase a little bit, the book of Jeremiah, the, the beginning, um, he, uh, he lived near Jerusalem. He would have been a priest, as he, his dad was a priest, but he was called to be a prophet. Now, a priest's job was, uh, I don't want to say it was easy, but you knew what to expect. It was the same rituals. You knew what you were going to do, and uh, it was probably... If you liked routine, uh, same thing every day, you, you were, that was probably the job. But he was called to be a prophet, and the prophet's job was not easy, as they were usually uh, called by God to say something to people, uh, for his case, uh, in his case, over the course of 40 years, that they didn't want to hear. It wasn't a pleasant message. And so this was a tough time when, when, he, um, when he started his, his, uh, his, his time as a prophet. Uh, it, it continued to get worse. As, as things went, went along, um, the Israelites, were they went into exile again. They lost Jerusalem. Many went to Egypt. It was a very tough time, and he was asked to speak on behalf of God. Uh, so this morning, we're going to start out, out with his call, Jeremiah's call to serve God. If you, if you don't want it to be useful, um, if you don't want to be used by God, then take a nap or play on your phones, whatever. I can see, by the way. I can see when your phones are out and what you're doing. I like being up a little higher so I can see that. Um, but if you want to, uh, to be used by God, 
of in, especially in a dark time. In this case, the fall of their kingdom. Uh, I encourage you to take notes. Uh, see, we are we are kind of like Jeremiah. We're we're very good at making excuses. Uh, we can just small things. I don't know. I don't know how. Um, no one told me. I didn't understand. I wasn't uh, trained properly. I don't have the right tools. In the church, in the Christian world, uh, it's, the, it's the preacher's job, or it's the elder's job, or it's not my gift, or I've already served, so let someone else do it, or I'm too tired, I'm too busy, I'm too young, I'm too old. Uh, we, we can come up with them pretty quickly. Ben, ben Franklin wrote, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Yeah, if you're good at it, making excuses, uh, I want to practice something else. It's hard to be useful. See, Jeremiah, he had every excuse ready. When God called him, he made excuses. Uh, so God would help him to overcome his excuses, which were his barriers in being useful. So we're going to jump in then at uh, Je- Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, if you want to follow along. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Uh, just stop there for a second. He basically told Jeremiah, hey, you're my guy. I, I, you might not feel like you're able or, or ready or equipped, but you're my guy. You're, you're the one that I'm, that I'm calling here. And as Christians, we have, we have a reminder. In Romans 8, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, if he's on our side, if he's wanting us to succeed, who's more powerful than God? Who could, who could stop him from using us? It keeps going, verse 6. Allah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And so right away we see these excuses and and we see the answers. He says, you are capable of speaking because I will give you the words. He says, you are not too young. See, at at the time, most most people didn't listen to the, the younger people. And there's probably some wisdom in that. Uh, they, they looked to the elderly for advice and counsel and wisdom and direction. And Jeremiah was probably, and I read a lot of different things on this, but probably a teen, maybe 20 at the, at the oldest. Um, and, and then he was afraid. And God says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. When I, when I read this first chapter, I, I thought, I, I feel like I've heard these excuses before. Like in the Bible, I've read other stories, and you probably, you might have all three of them in your mind. Um, the first thing that we might say is, I'm not capable. In Exodus 4, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, I have never been eloquent, either, either in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? We say we're not, we're not capable of, of speaking. He, he did this. Jeremiah did this, Moses did this, a lot of us do that. Uh, and, and so the response is, well, wait, where'd your mouth come from? Uh, he, he goes on, uh, verse 12, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. The Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? And I'm going to stop there for a second. God had 
had Aaron speak for Moses. And, but the, the thing that we have to remember is that didn't last very long. Keep, keep reading on in, in Exodus and, and see where Moses spoke for himself. Um, it was like, a, I think it was like a training. Like Moses wasn't ready, so, and God was, you could, he said he burned in anger. And so he, he allowed Aaron to speak for him for a while. And he, he became his, his mouthpiece. Um, but I think that's what happens, though, is sometimes we need someone to train us. I, if, if, uh, if no one wanted to do something and, and uh, I came up and said, everyone needs to do this, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, that doesn't mean you're ready. That doesn't mean you know how. Sometimes we have to train. We can't just say it. We have to, we have to share. And so that's what he was doing here. It wasn't a lifelong crutch, but a training period. Another excuse from Jeremiah, I, I think we say, is I'm not good enough. Uh, in his case, it was about his age. I'm not good enough to do that job. Second Timothy 4.11, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. When, when I look around, um, I'm... Uh, I'm seeing there are different there are people with uh, of different ages, and and the truth is if if you are a high school student, and you hear, um, you hear the gospel, you will have a chance to reach someone that will not come into church. Uh, you you can reach someone with this message, the message of of Jesus, of of God loving us so much that He sent Jesus to die for us. You have a chance to share that with someone in the high school. I don't. Most of the people in here don't. If uh, if you're over over seventy, there's a better chance probably for you to share the gospel with someone over seventy than someone who would listen to to a kid standing up here. Uh, I mean, to to them maybe. See, we all have different opportunities and different audiences, and the truth is, we're not all going to be able to reach the same people. There are people who you will talk to this week that will probably or maybe have never stepped into a church, have no intentions of it. They're not going to listen to anything I have to say, but you have a relationship with them. They, they might listen to, to what you have to say. And so we can't let someone say that we're not good enough or feel even just feel it, that we're not qualified to share the gospel. We might just be a little more honest and, and say, I'm scared. That's, uh, that's probably true at times. Jesus reminded his disciples before they were uh, commissioned to take the, the gospel to the world. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He also said to them in John 14, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And I, I think of this idea of uh, being scared. And what does that look like? I, I read this old story it's pretty dated. It's in the time of the Roman Empire. I just want to read this here. Uh, it says, in the days of the Roman Empire, the great Colosseum of Rome was filled to capacity with spectators, coming for the state games, watching human beings battle against wild beasts or against one another until one or both died. The crowd found its greatest delight in the death of a human being. When Honorius was emperor of Rome in AD 404, as the vast crowd watched the contest, a Syrian monk by the name of Telemachus leaped onto the Colosseum floor. So torn by the utter disregard for the value of human life, he cried out, In the name of God, this thing is not right. In the name of God, this thing must stop. 
The spectators became enraged at the cour this courageous man. They mocked him and threw objects at him. Caught up in the excitement, the gladiators attacked him, and a sword pierced him. The gentle monk fell to the ground dead. The entire Colosseum fell silent. For the first time, the people with a bloodthirst recognized the horror of what they called entertainment. Telemachus kindled a flame in the hearts and conscience of thinking persons. History records that because of this courageous act, within a few months, the combats began to decline and very shortly passed from the scene. Why? Because one man had dared to speak out for what he believed was right. His message was dangerous, for it challenged the pleasures and enjoyments of the people. But Telemachus died. His message prevailed. I share this because when we get these, this promise of I am always with you and, and coming into Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us, that's not a, a promise of safety, of physical safety. We use scripture as, as if it's, we're not going to have anything happen to us. But then over time we've seen people, we've seen missionaries, we've, we've seen people speak up for their faith and, and be killed. It's not a message of physical safety. It's this idea that if you trust God to guide you, he will guide you. If you want to take the gospel somewhere, he will give you the words. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we're going to be physically safe. See, Telemachus, he's, he spoke out against the pleasures and enjoyment. People don't always want to hear it. And we might not be killed for our faith, especially around here, but you might lose a friend. You, you, might, you might upset a family member. You might be uh, uh, kind of put out of the, the in-group if you, if you do share. Your, there, there is, there is some, some risk, but is it worth it? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. See, Jeremiah, I'm not going to read all, all of it for time's sake. He had two visions from God. And the first was about this almond tree. And the almond tree was one of the first uh, plants to, to bloom in the spring. So it was this idea of change. So God was saying, hey, there's going to be some changes coming. And then the second vision uh, was uh, about a pot that was, it was tilted from the north. And it was going to pour out on the south. And it was uh, this idea that there's going to be disaster that comes from the north. We find out later it was Babylon. His visions, uh, his message, was, was, it was challenging. And why would he say it? Well, verse 16, I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. And then he finishes uh, telling Jeremiah, verse 17, Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah had about 40 years of sharing a message, uh, even, when they, even when they were uh, in exile. He continued his message, I think, for about 12 more years that they needed to repent. They were God's chosen people, but they weren't acting like it. They needed to hear a message that they didn't want to hear. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we, were, we were in First, First Corinthians 9, and I, and I talked about training and how, how this idea of we need to prepare ourselves to be ready when the time comes. This is not training, though. This is not the same message. This is, this is going. See, when, when, uh, when he says, get yourself ready, it meant that you would tuck your robe into a belt so that you could run or fight. It, it was not a, a, a preparation. It was, hey, it's time to go get up right now. Get yourself ready. Put your shoes on. 
get out the door and go right now. And in this call of Jeremiah, I try to think about us. If we want to be a person that God uses, we have to go now. We can't wait. There are needs right now. Every one of us sees needs from someone every week. Are you willing to to take that step? Are you willing to do something right now, even if you're busy or tired, you don't feel like you're capable? What is that need? That what's the, Who's the person right now that you're thinking about, man, I need, to, I need to help them. I need to help them financially. I need to... I need to serve them in some way because they can't do something for themselves. I need to share the gospel with them because they've, they haven't, I don't know if they've ever gone into a church. Are you ready to go? So what's keeping you? Jeremiah had the excuses. He had a vision to share. We have the gospel to share. We have a message as well. And God has been using people for so long. And we think we're not ready. We're not capable. This Shane Claiborne quote, uh, I really like it. I've read it before. But he says, the great paradox in humor of God's audacious power. A stuttering prophet will be the voice of God. A barren old lady will become the mother of a nation. A shepherd boy will become their king. And a homeless baby will lead them home. So what excuse do you need to let go of? What's that thing that's holding you back? Um, I really think that one thing we, we have to do is change our terminology. Uh, see, I, I, um, I've heard these excuses, and I, I wrote just, I thought about three examples of excuses that I've heard from people that don't necessarily always seem spiritual, um, but, but I, I want to share them for a specific reason. I've heard people say, I don't paint. I don't paint. I'll help you do anything. I, hey, I know you moved. I'll help you do anything, but don't ask me to paint because I don't paint. That's just who I am. I've heard that, I've heard that at least three, four times, maybe more, from different people. I've, I've heard people say, I don't speak in public. Um, I've asked people to, to share it at funerals, and we've asked people to, to come up and share. I don't speak in public. That's not who I am. And I've heard, I've heard people say, uh, I don't go to hospitals. Yeah, I know they're sick, and they want someone to encourage them and pray with them, but that's not who, that's not who I am. I don't do that. That terminology is killing us. It's taking away our chance to be the person that God uses. Because we find our identity in our weaknesses. We say, I don't do this. This is just who I am. That's not how God made me. I think if we want to be the person God uses, we need to just rephrase that. Just be honest. I I won't paint. I mean, tell tell your friend that who, who asks you for help. Just say, I won't. I won't do it. I won't speak in public. I'm a Christian. I know, I know that God made my mouth and, and even, even uh, tells Jeremiah this. I have heard this now, but I won't do it. And then start to think, is that really who I am? Am I going to be disobedient to, to something that, that I know I've been asked to do that would be beneficial? I won't go to the hospital. I kind of like that, you, that a lot of people don't like to speak in public because that's job security for me. Uh, I mean, really, if everyone who uh, was more talented was willing to speak in public, I for sure wouldn't have a job. I know that. Um, but, but, so thank you for that. But anyway, our identity cannot be uh, what's holding us back. 
these false, these misconceptions about who we are, and we say, I just don't. That's not who I am. No, just say you won't. Just be honest. If you want to be the person God uses, if you feel like you have a call, but you don't know what you're going, what, what you want to do with it, just don't blame, that's not who I am. Just be honest. Because I, I can assure you, the more times that you're honest, and you say, I won't, instead of I don't, you'll probably start to say, I will. It just changes everything. Uh, because our example is Jesus, uh, obviously. We're in the church. And Jesus didn't say, I, oh, I don't, I don't, I didn't sin. I don't, I don't die for people. No, he actually, he, he, he didn't want to. It was almost like I won't. He said, God, if there's anyone else to, to, to take this from me, if there's any other way, if there's any other way for these people to be saved than me dying on the cross, would you, would you do that, please? And he went back two more times, and said, God, if there's anyone else, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. This is going to be painful. I really don't want to do this. But when he realized there was no other way, he said, I will. I think that's the example we have. We're going to take communion as we leave, have a chance to give offering. Uh, Let the communion be a reminder that Jesus didn't say, I don't. He said, I don't want to. But then he said, I will. Let that be our reminder as we see the needs around us. What will you do? What excuse will you get rid of so that you can be a person that God uses? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to be the example, to be our hope, and to show us love. As we uh, begin this series of being useful for you, I pray that you would open our hearts and let us look to your scripture every week as as a uh, as a, as a message of inspiration and encouragement and even those reminders that we, that we sometimes need um, to see the big picture. I pray that this week, uh, the, the, this, next, uh, this upcoming month, um, that this is a time that we would um, look around. Uh, the holidays can be um, so, so good and yet so bad for so many. And so I pray that we become the family uh, that you've called us to be and that we treat each other that way. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's his name I pray.